space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And Dr. Squee. Timber. And this week we're going to be talking about the latest episode of Lower Decks, which is Crisis Point 2 Paradoxus. And because there's... We struggled a bit this week. Well, we had lots of ideas, but none of them were as solid as we usually have. But in our defence, that's not our fault, because this one was parodying the movies mainly, so... Even yeah. then, though, you could admit, like, there, there's so many little nuggets in each episode, you can still pick a dozen episodes which would kind of still fit. Yeah. Yeah, we, we did have, I think we had four or five episodes. So, yeah. so we're going with Evil Twins and we're going with The Enemy Within, which is a classic, classic, super classic original series. I'm really looking forward to talking about that one. But first, though... The long-awaited sequel. The sequel, I didn't think we'd get a sequel to this, but we got Crisis Point 2 Paradoxus. And it was the a sequel, very, very well done. for, but the sequel we all wanted. Yeah. It, it's, it's so weird, because I think the first one was a really great... It sort of felt like a great out-and-out parody of the movies. This one does that, but it's kind of like a real heartfelt kind of message to it as well. I, I, I really think they've nailed the kind of mix between adult humour and... Star Trek kind of morality goodness in in this uh, year's batch of episodes. Yeah, and they certainly seem to be sort of doubling down on this real character focus now. That like yeah. we, we talked about, we had like uh, a strong Rutherford episode and a strong Tendy episode, and now we're getting Boimler. So I'm liking that the they really are deepening these characters now, as well as still giving us all the comedy. Because I was the one who always point. The one I always point to is the kind of the sex centric episode, which sort of like it kind of. I get it. They they had in the uh, uh, in the other series like the naked now and the naked time, but it's like just when you had the engineer on an out and out, let's call it fucking episode. It just mm-hmm. felt a little unsatisfying to me. Whereas like they still got the adult humor in this series, but they've also got kind of like the mounties. It just feels yeah. just that extra bit Star Trek, which I really like. I feel like they nailed the tone in the series. Yeah, they're definitely, they've not, I don't think they've put a foot wrong this season so far. No. I know that the Peanut Hamper episode was quite divisive, but um, I, I liked it. I, I said my point on that last You week. did, you did indeed. Yep. And they've redeemed themselves this week. Okay. <laughs> so as, <laughs> so Dr. S- as Dr. Squee introduced himself, my first note on this episode was, I just love that Keishon kicks the door up and just goes, Timber! <laughs> he does that a couple of times in the episode. It's like his new catchphrase when he enters it. It's like now he's worked out you can just use shorthand as opposed to the... Yeah, that's it. You don't even need the full metaphor now. But I suppose... Timber, get it. That, that is sort of how language develops, isn't it? Like, you know, you, you do shorten things. So, you know, you can almost... Like, Cockney rhyming slangs are really good example so you have apples and pears stairs but they might just say apples and assume an, aw- an awful one because they make words longer well, i know they do but what you i'm saying is four words to say one <laughs> what i'm saying is like you have something like orchestra halls meaning testicles 
orchestral's balls, but um, but they'll just say the orchestras. So you're not saying the full thing. You're shortening the metaphor, yeah. if you like, which yeah. is what Keishon's doing here. One of the best examples was the guy who came up with the Klingon language for the Star Trek movies. Uh, there's one of the extras on the DVDs, which is great. He was talking about how... Um, He'd be on the set and he'd be talking them through how you pronounce everything, how you say anything. But because of mispronunciations or they miss out a word or something like that, like there was one one of the lines Christopher one of the lines Christopher Lloyd had was to say, um, uh, "I will kill kill one of these. You choose who." Mm-hmm. But he missed out the word one, so it just meant like if you don't specify a number, it automatically needs one, and he incorporated it into the language. So he said, "Like what's happened to this language? It's basically happened in one movie. What you'd spend like." decades of language yeah. evolution or even yeah. centuries usually just happens in a short span of time so he kind of even incorporated everything into it which i thought was genius and apparently because the directors like to be with said it's like oh look you're in charge of language so if you think something needs changing let us know so he kind of ended he stopped the scene because someone got something wrong and he and he very quickly got the idea they didn't mean that much <laughs> and and christopher lloyd apparently at the end of one scene was seen kind of holding his hands in his hands and the director goes, no, no, you did great there. You did great. He goes, no, no, I screwed up the Klingon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> anyway, like, check it out if you haven't. Yeah, it's, yeah, I'm just thinking it is crazy, like, how intricate the, any made-up language, like the, the Klingon language and Elvish and all that, you know, that the fact that they do think about all these rules and everything and it, it is built like a proper language, it's incredible. Um, so, the villains then in Crisis Point Two are these Romulan triplets, and I really enjoyed that they each had a streak in the hair, but one of them had it in the middle, and one of them had it off to the left, and one of them had it off to the right. Yeah, this was one where I. Uh, this was the other one of the episodes I suggested maybe as the partner was the Lerzer and Bator because they mm. definitely seemed to be the Romulan triplets and the. Uh, uh, the Klingon sisters. sisters. Yeah, like there's definitely there. something going yeah, on there. Definitely a play on it. Which was nice. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. And I know I mistook the Enterprise F for the Enterprise E in the Picard trailer last week, but we do get a sovereign class in this episode. Yeah, it's a beautiful ship. It is. It's nice uh, to see the Sovereign class. We hardly ever see them. And beautifully animated again. Yeah, oh and yeah. Something <coughs> like the ridiculous thing is how they animating some of these ships and like we saw with DS9 as well. They actually look better than what they've been doing for the meant to be proper CGI in Discovery. Mm. When yeah. you've seen other ships, you can hardly make out what they are sometimes. I mean, I think this has just sort of come to me now, but I think the reason we're being so impressed with the ships is even though the animated style on the people and everything else is heavily stylized and not realistic at all, the ships are the correct dimensions as to yeah. what we see them in, you know, in inverted commas live action. So they are yeah, just taking the the models of the ships and showing them just in a, a slightly different style, but the dimensions few, and the look are right. There's been a few shots, especially this series, where I think if you plant them into a, a live action series, you wouldn't notice. It just they've looked that good this this series Some especially. Of them have. Actually speaking of Discovery, just what I remember, someone came up on my Facebook memory saying uh, it was 
two years ago today, I think it was, that we uh, started covering dis- the, uh, the lockdown series of Discovery. Yes, yeah. So two Which years of live streaming today. Yeah, so a happy stream anniversary. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so there's a bit of a dig at, like, the the Kelvin films. Yeah, it's, it's all on the holodeck, but we're... Where it, like they they talk about oh what are they going to do recasters as younger actors and yeah all that the reality yeah that seems like a bit of a stretch yeah, so <laughs> yeah I thought that, that was just good wouldn't fun. work <laughs> yeah <clears throat> which reminds me I think I think we can pretty much close the book on the Kelvin timeline now can't we with the recent news that the latest film's been shelved again I think that's yeah. Like, I mean, just, just the stupid points. thing they did was to announce it before speaking to the actors. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I, I just think if, if you leave it too long, then they've, if they're meant to be them when they're kind of starting their missions, you, they're just going to age out of that. Yeah. yeah. Unless you set the story later on, you know, during the fourth year of the five-year mission or something. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the next movie we're getting is the final TNG movie. It could so, well like we said, be, yeah. Week, Give them their undiscovered country moment. Mm. It, it's looking like that they, um, yeah, there's a lot of the cast hinting towards that. As it we does yeah. seem yeah. far more and likely, it would, doesn't and it? It would be nice, wouldn't it, for another, one last big screen outing for them and give them That's a proper a... undiscovered country moment. And it should be on the big screen as well. Like, let's yeah. not have it as a Paramount Plus. You, you can put it yeah. on there, but I want to see it on the big screen and I will pay I, to I see it on the big screen. Release. You know, you release in the cinemas the same time as you put it online, yeah. the same way as they've done with but, Netflix. And, but in some even cases. if they do that, I will still pay to go see the cinema yeah, version of it. So, yeah. And I'm sure a lot of Star Trek fans will feel the same way. So please, yeah. please, please give us the cinema release for it. Uh, yeah, you, you saw in the uh, day and age where you can have, um, you know, have your cake and eat it too. You can put it straight on yeah. streaming, you get loads of downloads, and you will get the Star Trek fans, which are so loyal, going out to see it. There are no Star Trek fans not going to see Star Trek on the big screen. No, a brand like new, if it, especially if it's a TNG movie in it, yeah. Um, so the lab that they go to then is pretty much regular one from Wrath of Khan. Like, they've got the uniforms, they've got the screens that look exactly the same. Oh, they've... We get a... Is this on the planet Tadascor? Or it's something very close to Tadascor, because it sounds like it's the name of one of the cast, which oh, I'm trying to remember who he plays now. Oh, Fred... Uh, uh, he plays... Fred Tadascor. Yeah, oh, I know who you mean, yeah. But I know the, the planet names seem very similar to his, and later on you get... Um, a one which I know Elliot would have been pleased to see, especially seeing as the villain we see there, but I'll save that one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they've even got that device that is it, the prop that's in every yeah, everything ever. Prop. Yeah, they've even got that going on in there. So well, I love that's been in that prop's been in everything. Buck Rogers, Battlestar yeah. Galactica, Knight Rider, the Hulk, everything. Yeah. It's just one of them and props. Yeah, uh, if you did sci-fi in the late seventies, eighties, you had the universal prop, <laughs> <laughs> and you got Carol Marcus, um, or you know the uniform which she wears in the uh, yeah. in the Star Trek, in the Genesis weapon planet. And like you get there, Boiler gets called out, though, don't they? Yeah. Before this, you get to see Ransom, and you don't hear what's what's really said there. But when he comes back and he says, oh, it's just about duty rosters, 
And he's in the bad mood. I was thinking one of them had been reassigned. Oh, yeah, could have been. But I did actually you think know, the first time time watching it through, I, I don't know what it was, but the first time watching it through, it was sort of like, oh, is he being told that he's being moved off duty roster with mm. them or somewhere? Um, I did think actually, now now think about it, I didn't think at the time, but um, do you think this was a subtle nod to Generations as well? There's a bit where Picard goes off. Oh, gets yeah. news we don't get to hear yeah. straight away and then he comes back very sullen yeah yeah it could well be it. yeah that's a, it's a deep cut as well but it, it certainly fits the, the dramatic beats you write are exactly the same yeah brilliant um mm-hmm. And, yeah, when he comes back then, he's not interested in the romantic subplot now and Mariner's like, no, no, what uh, are you doing? We've, I'm not... This is becoming a trend now. Beautiful women throw themselves at Bible and he's just totally uninterested. To be fair, he programmed this one, so maybe he programmed it to be totally... You know, to... Maybe there wasn't a romantic subplot. Boimler was always intending to... No, because no, the hologram character, when he does say shudder, he's sort of like, well, what am, I, what am I meant to do now? What's my, fun- what's my function? Yeah, true. <laughs> oh, it's, it's just Mariner going, like, uh, come on, what's the point in uh, programming a hot chick if you're not going to get laid or something along these lines? <laughs> it's great. Yeah. And, yeah, it's another one where it's good watching it the second time when you know what Boimler's found out because all of a sudden yeah. he's... He's talking about existential life and death things, and yeah, it, it, we, we should have maybe been clued in a little bit more. But I think because the jokes, I think the are speed sort of, and pace of it, and yeah. there's so much happened so fast. That's it. Yeah, the jokes are thick of, and fast. You pick up little bits, but you miss little other bits the first time you win. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I, I mean, it's also when. Uh, Boimler gets on the planet in the next scene and we've got the marketplace and he's kind of just uh, go straight into the subplot character. It just reminds me of so many D&D games where they yeah. like uh, where we've been playing and the Dungeon Master's intricately laid out exactly where we're going and like there's a big obvious thing we're meant to follow and then me and my partner would just go off and go it's like hey you random character over there what are you up to? And it's like you can see the Dungeon Master frantically scri- scribbling things out and doing <laughs> right to try and get yeah. back on track. It's just yeah, um, I remember I ran a, a Star Wars one once and I put a stormtrooper in it who was going to turn out to be a bit of a dirty stormtrooper. He, he was um, basically he was going to be fiddling with himself. And I, I I put it in as a joke. It were like they were meant to follow the stormtrooper and see what he were up to and have a laugh. But they were like, no, we're going to break into his house and we're going to interrogate <laughs> him. And I'm like, no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> so that shows me for trying to put silly joke characters in RPG campaigns. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, I like when he's talking to like this wise person and Mariner's like, oh, well, obviously the computer's having to make up a backstory for him now. And it is like a pause while he's almost like buffering while the computer fills in a story for yeah. him. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it's wonderful. I love the idea that it was kind of an adaptive program as well. So again, it just reminded me of the, the DM trying to quickly rewrite and say some stuff to you while he's trying to engineer yeah. it around to what he wants. Or she, Meanwhile, or the rest of the crew go back in time to the Great Algae Crisis, which I feel like we need to explore that more at some point, you know. Oh, and the, just the, the, the nice little kind of like, so they did the... Um, 
little dots of dust on the screen and hairs like yeah you know, like it's yeah yeah, we so get nice the thing. the different aspect ratio and the it looks like film, yeah. And the bit where they go back, it looks kind of like Star Trek Four. They're going for that sort of time period, so we're getting another well, callback. Eighty-two, so a bit before Star Trek Four. But... No, the the bit where the algae crisis is, they're right. in the like TOS yeah. movie uniforms and everything. So I feel like that was a deliberate sort of nod to this is the other time you know this is a time we did time travel in the movies so um but mariner goes off at this point and then she finds out that william boiler boimler's died or has he i bought it though i was like all right they've obviously decided to kill him off yeah yeah we have we're not revealing that Yet. Well, we do Got find that out here because Ransom <laughs> Ransom tells her here. Yeah, that is died. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. The final twist uh, I shouldn't have revealed too early. Yeah, you're right. I apologise. Look, 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 we're talking about the episode. Look, you know, everyone. Look, we, we don't always talk about things in order. Spoilers <laughs> for the whole episode in advance. Yeah, it's not in real time. <laughs> the spoilers in this episode. But yeah, 1982 guess- then, and they're in Australia. Terminator. And, Terminator, uh, this is. Terminator. But Terminator wanted Australia. I was, I was racking no, my brain trying to think. In time when, the, he get, when he first arrives, he gets attacked by punks. Oh, yeah, yeah. And all that. So, and they beat him up, and then you have uh, Rutherford there. Wait, I've got to do the best part, stealing the clothes. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I wonder why they say it in Australia, though. I was trying to think if there was any... I couldn't... <laughs> Nothing springs to mind with no, why, why they went to Australia. It doesn't mean, but, you know, I suppose you've got a cartoon, you've got the limitless budget. If you want to do a location shot in Australia, you can do, so... Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> also answers why, like, everything uh, in Star Trek always happens in America whenever they go to Earth. So no, Absolutely, they, they yeah. Usually Los Angeles. I mean, it's, it's much like Dog Two. Why does everything happen around uh, the the UK? Mainly London. Okay, or Cardiff. Or Cardiff. Or Sheffield. <laughs> At least they mixed yeah, it yeah. up. But, um, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, the regeneration episode on Sunday. So, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm just trying to see how they um, completely nail the landing, of course, as they have throughout oh, the journey yes, with yes, yes, yes. and uh, Chimalera. <laughs> it's been a carefully constructed arc, and I'm sure it'll pay off dividends in the finale anyway <laughs> maybe they can repeat a few more uh, greatest hits of Muffet and uh, RTD while they're at it maybe so it's train Gallifrey throwing in a new dog I mean I'm just saying well we'll find out on Sunday sorry for taking us yeah. down that path though <laughs> um, great bit where Boimler's talking to people she goes, and Mariner says like look they probably don't even have any names and like of course we have names nameless acolyte 2 come over here or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then Tendi we're still doing a bit of character development for Tendi because now she wants to be a captain and she's come to this realisation and everything so I really hope we pay this up like I know okay she's not going to get promoted to captain next week so we're not in the Kelvin timeline but no but we've seen her doing a, si- a bridge science officer training yeah stuff, exactly so, so I-, I like that there's a bit of direction yeah. for her and she's going to be the one who wants to go down the command path so I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing yeah. where that goes 
I mean, mainly with Star Trek, but especially with kind of when when it's animation, you expect them to sort of like, you know, oh, she's in sick base, she's probably going to follow that path. So it's really lovely that they, they yeah. aren't afraid to mix it up a bit. Yeah. Yeah, it could be one of them where you don't see it coming, but it really pays off. Like when Nob decided to join Starfleet, you were like, what? But it actually was brilliant. Oh, but... Watching it back, that was the making of the Nog character. He yeah. was so much more interesting after that. Everything after that is more interesting than anything you played before. Absolutely. So yeah. Yeah. And they beat the Romulans, but that's not sort of the main focus now because Boimler gets to meet a rock monster. Which on planet Shatner. On planet <laughs> oh, nearly planet no. Shatner. Yeah, nearly planet Shatner, and he beats a rock monster. Uh, yeah, so they know what they're I mean, doing the, the here. The only thing I thought was how overjoyed Elliot would be. I was like, I was <laughs> pleased, but I thought I Elliot would just be throwing a like, parade after this. I know who we get as the guest star now, but I really thought that they, they had managed to pull it off to get Bill. Yeah, it did. I mean, yeah, the, there's a, a really clear, obvious misdirect, which we'll get to in a second, but I like the sort of punchline of the rock monster scene that it's a biplane, and he's just like, well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, like, he um, just jumps inside the rock monster and just starts wailing on it. Oh, just, yeah. Boiler going psycho was very satisfying. He does have a bit of a meltdown, doesn't he, at this point, which is... What leads us into what may or may not be a dream, may or may not be the afterlife, may or may not be the Nexus, but we are on Kirk's ranch from the Nexus, and they very deliberately set it up to make us think that we're getting a Captain Kirk cameo. It it was. We've gone to planet Shatnia, however they've written it, so it's nearly planet Shatnia. Shatnari. Yeah, we have rock monsters where we all know rock monsters should have been in Star Trek V. They will make Star Trek V when that gets remastered. And then we have the side. We have his ranch and it's there. Kirk. Yeah. Plainly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I just thought oh, it was just lovely. When, well, Sula goes down. Um, Oh, he's off traveling through time or some such nonsense. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I do like how Bible goes at first goes Captain Kirk and it, then it's Sulu stands up. No, Captain Sulu actually. Yeah. Oh my no. <gasps> Even better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I I wonder, I mean, this could have been one of two things. They could have tried to get Shatner and when he said no, they went with George to care. Or what they could be doing is just completely mugging Shatner off here because obviously it's well publicised that there's a feud between George Takei and Bill Shatner and the fact that they've made it look like it's going to be Kirk only to have George Takei and have the characters even happier about that is just... I I bet you they offered it to Shatner. I I don't think he would say no, but I think he would request a boatload of money which just for an animated kind of little cameo would have just been ridiculous. I bet George Sky would have just done it for, like, he probably, I'm sure he got paid a fee, but I bet he just did it for the love of it. Like, I'm it sure he would have done, yeah. And I wonder, I, I I could go either way on it. Like, it wouldn't surprise me wonder, if they're doing it just to annoy Shatner. I wonder if they did offer it to Shatner and Shatner wanted a bigger part. 
Maybe, yeah. It's, it be, it's probably a bigger part and more money, and then then maybe they punked him. I, I, I don't think they want to piss him off before asking him, but if he was a bit of a dick about it, maybe, you know, as Shatner has been wont to be. I mean, the thing is, Shatner almost certainly will never see this, so he won't, he won't know that they've, they've done this. Um, I bet he watches Star- the new Star Trek every week. Do you think? Yeah. I think when people have asked him, he's said no, but maybe he does Maybe he says no, but... Yeah, I don't want to admit that he actually like, loves it. How when you read his books, he didn't watch it. When he, re- when he wrote his books, um, like his Star Trek books, he um, did loads of sort of like little references to stuff which was happening in Voyager or Deep Space Nine at the time. So I think he does. I think he, he, he protests uh, too much that he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. When, when he wrote his he, Star Trek like, books, though. I mean, well, you he read them. <laughs> Bill it's very eccentric towards him. I think he did write them. He's the granddaddy. He is, but I think most people prefer George to care if it, if it came down to it. I mean, officially, we have to be neutral in this this debate between the two of them, but I think I'd be Team George if yeah, I had Shannon to take a side. I'm going to just say I'm a fan of both him. of them. I am a fan of both I've of them. I've them both, and I like them both. And yeah. they're both nice when I met them. True. But let's face you probably like uh, George Takei, or I do anyway, I'll just speak for myself. I like George Takei as, as a human being and the kind of way he purports himself. Shanna is a wonderful, huge buffoon. He, he He's great at being Kirk, but he has so many bets in himself. I can I can easily see why he'd be a nightmare to work with, but like, oh God, when I saw him on stage uh, presenting uh, Wrath of Khan, he was he's endlessly entertaining. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I give the man his due, but I think probably by all accounts, it seems like uh, his his massive ego makes him a pain in the ass to work with. Well, the Lower Decks producers haven't worked with him that we know of. Maybe no. it's all a bit and switch and we will get a Shatner cameo and this is just... Yeah. Uh, well, it, I wouldn't put that past uh, Lower Decks either. No, I wouldn't. Like this so much and then not have it. And then having two episodes down the yeah. line and he has a massive role. Did you guys catch what the name <laughs> of the horse <laughs> was? Horsey. No, no, he did say its name. His name was Athos, which is obviously a reference to the Three Musketeers, and Sulu thought he was D'Artagnan when he was in The Naked Time, so I thought, that's a great deep-cut reference, yeah. is that? I thought maybe when you said that, it was also maybe a reference to Porthos the dog. Yeah, well, yeah, I suppose. Two for one. Um, yeah, so that, I mean, that's just, yeah, it is fan service, but if you can do that all day, that that's absolutely beautiful fan service. We, we that's have it. no problem with fan service like this. No, 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 no. no. I do want to point out one more thing about them having George Takei. Mm-hmm. His name didn't appear until the end titles. Absolutely right. No, he got a special this appearance by... A surprise guest star. You don't put the name at the start of the episode. Absolutely. So the live action shows, please take note of that. <laughs> they have got a bit better for it, but not not enough. Yeah. But this is how you do a surprise. Because I saw nothing on social no, media. No, nothing at all. To, that it was going to be in lower decks. It wasn't in the titles. And then there he was. And he's in the end credits. He's, 
where his name appears. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we get a joke about, well, we got a happy ending. I hate it when things end on a dark cliffhanger. And then we get the dark cliffhanger. <laughs> and, and they address what everyone says about the Section 31 badges. It's like, yeah. hey, if we're seeking an organisation, why do we wear this? No, no, it's fine, it's fine. Okay. No, I could shoot you. <laughs> so I do wonder be if... Again. <laughs> could the long-term plan for this be... That if the Section 31 TV show ever happens, we know that Michelle Yeoh um, is jumping through time now with The Guardian of Forever. Could Jack Quaid, as William Boimler, be in the Section 31 show if it ever happens? It's quite possible <coughs> of how you tie in these different shows. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. So yeah, we'll leave that one hanging, that. but that, that'd be pretty cool if they did that. I completely forgot about the Section 31 show, as I believe the producers did. I think most people have forgotten about the Section 31 show, but um, you never know. It keeps getting a mention, mention every now and again by Kurtzman. Yeah, they've not officially well, said it's dead. You, you've also got the last series of Picard about to happen, so maybe they did purposely plan it so that, you know, because they always planned three years for the Picard show. Maybe it was already always yeah, planned to go after that. There's yeah. going to be a live-action um, slot open, isn't there, if they want to keep like, the schedule they have? About, like, let's talk about this uh, Academy show, which we reckon is going to be Tilly, and that'd be ideal to fall in when Discovery ends. Mm-hmm. Tilly and Adam Silver Daddy Bear, please. We've got yeah. to keep that, that universe going, as, that timeline going, don't you? And yeah. you can bring people who've been in Discovery can come in every now and again on a guest episode. Absolutely, yeah. Bring back the guy with the bird clock as well. I was always a fan of him. Yes. <laughs> like, Discovery's dug, it, dug a hole for its own back jumping so far in the future. It has, yeah. Like, we're still exploring... I'm going to say now, but you know what I mean? We're exploring sort of just after Next Generation. We're still in that timeline. We, yeah, I mean, with. we've got Picard running there, Lower Decks running there, uh, Prodigy running there. Yeah, I think Kurtzman said that he considers Picard where that is to represent the present day, if you like, of the yeah. Star Trek timeline and discoveries in the far future, strange new worlds in the past. So, but there's nothing to stop, like you say, the the discovery timeline being carried on in a show or whatever, as well, well that's as that's probably because there's been talks since the seventies of doing an, an an academy show. There's and. This in the future, where Discovery is, where the Federation has pretty much collapsed, it's the perfect time to do a new Academy show as you try to build up Starfleet again. Yeah, I think so. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I would. I, I kind of really <coughs> like the, the Picard model, which they've used kind of in, uh, in Star Wars to great effect of just having these limited run shows. I think that'd be really cool. I wouldn't mind a few more of those. So, like, you you can have the Academy show being like three years. You just. you Or you follow one particular um group of kind of cadets yeah, yeah. from kind of induction to passing out or like yeah. Yeah. or however long it is they're in there for well it's about 10 minutes if you watch star trek 09 
Only if your name's Kurt. True. And they do have a three-year yeah. time jump, so I'm being unnecessarily nasty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, no, that is wackadoodle. Like, still, just he gets on board the ship and it's like, uh, okay, Lieutenant, no, he's the captain now. Is he fuck? I'm sorry, but... <laughs> yeah. So, the enemy within, then. Um, now, this episode, very special to me, because... I've probably told the story before, but in many episodes ago, I'm sure. The way I got into Star Trek, like I'd always seen Star Trek, I'd seen Next Gen a little bit when it started, and I'd seen the movies. Um, but they started re-showing the original series on Sky, and they showed it in production order. And I was off school poorly at the time. I think I had, like, flu or something. And my dad said, you need to tape Star Trek every morning because I want to watch them when I get home from work. So I was up at whatever time it was because I was throwing up and all sorts. And it was shown twice a day on Sky. It was like something like seven in the morning, then five at night. And so at seven in the morning, I would start the tape taping Star Trek. And I thought, you know what? I'll watch this. And by the time we got to Thursday, which was this episode, this was when I, f I realised I was absolutely hooked on it, you know. <laughs> the first few, I was like, oh, that, that was better than I thought it would be. So I was very sceptical, you know, as you try and be cool, don't you, when you're a kid. And I was very sceptical, and then that was where No Man Has Gone Before, and then Corbin Might Manoeuvre, I was like, oh, that was good as well. Mud's Women, eh. But then this one, I was just like, this is actually really awesome, is this. And, you know, that weekend I was getting, like, Star Trek withdrawal because they weren't showing it. It was only weekdays. <laughs> so this episode is responsible for me being a Trekkie, I think. And also written by also... Richard Matheson, who is an awesome writer. And check out his Twilight Zone episodes as well. Absolutely brilliant writer. So I'm I mean, a big it, fan. It, here I am adorned with a plethora of, uh, of Shatners and like a reef around my neck. And it's, uh, man, it's like, it's like he never chewed the scenery before this episode. He's mm. just, just goes at it with such gusto. Like, you know, he may go big in some other episode, but I dare you to, to find a one where he goes bigger than this one. Like his evil Kirk is <laughs> evil so much joy to behold. It's so stupid. It was so, so ridiculously big. I didn't say stupid, well, but just uh, so large. To your right, above your shoulder, you've got the first view we got of Evil Kirk in the episode. And it has that typical, with the 60s lighting, you can see they've turned off the lights of the transport yeah, and, everything, yeah. and there's oh, just one light shining up at him. <laughs> we won't see mood like, lighting like this in Star Trek until generations when they want to make the oh. uh, Enterprise D look a bit more edgy. Just looks like they've forgotten to put money yeah, in the meter. Yeah, they were on energy savers then, weren't they? <laughs> But, yeah, the, the reveal of Evil Kirk that why does he do a dramatic spin towards the camera? Like, it, uh, it's crazy. I think he also, was ready to attack someone. Maybe, yes, good point. Also, we've established, like, they have to do the little kind of buttons to, to make the transporter work. Why does it work a second time automatically? I mean, you think they, there would be a feature against this. Well, they say that, that that happened with the dog as well, which, shout out to the dog, you would not get away with doing that these days. 
But they were, they were just like, right, get a dog, stick an arm on it, stick these little antenna things on it. I think it's a one-piece, like, it's a sort of, like, dog onesie, so I don't think it's that bad. No, I'm sure it, it wasn't like, painful or anything. I mean, we, oh, we've no, got silly outfits for his dogs. Literally, for Mr. Ed, they had hooks in the horse's mouth to make his lips smooth, to make it oh, move yeah. along with the dialogue. Horrific. Like, this is just putting a dog in a onesie. I think Star Trek's okay. I think it gets away with yeah, this. Yeah, and to be fair, like, for the vast majority of its appearances in this episode, someone's always holding it. So they yeah. weren't letting the poor bugger just wander around in this thing. It was... Oh, and when they're holding <clears> it, if the, the face is into the camera and you can see it's just basically it's a, a doll or something. No. No, no, but I'm just Surely saying, like, not. the few times you do see it, it it's, it's a onesie. I think we're okay. Mm. I think we're okay. What I, one of the things I really admire, and I'd not thought about this until re-watching this episode, just, um, you know, for this show, is that the transporter as a concept was brought in because they couldn't afford to have shuttles taking off and landing every week. Yeah. And I love the fact that that's been introduced, but then one of the writers has gone... Okay, so what can we do with that? You've invented this yeah. technology. What what can we do to get an interesting yeah, story out of that? We've got this prop. What can we do with it? Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, the transporter, as a well, result, became such an engine for for story development. Mm. I mean, uh, the, the other thing I want to just just kind of uh, like maybe you guys have, have have seen something that I haven't in this, but you know when they they stop using the transporter because it's duplicating people. Like when Sulu asked for coffee, what are they worried about? He's going to get an evil cup of brew the second uh, time? Yeah, I mean, it could like, taste you know, really he's bad. He's going to get a boiling hot one that had cooled down to temperature he could have and a freezing cold one. Yeah, just just <laughs> wait wait, wait for the cold. They, they, yeah, the one like, to cool down, which is supremely hot yeah. if that, that's the case. Or don't drink the second one if you're a bit worried. I don't think duplicating coffee is a big Maybe concern one of them would have been poisonous. So it's like, well, we, you know, there's no way of telling which oh. one. We, we could have been down, down some, some, some blankets some here, but we're worried the second one will be a asbestos. Yeah, yeah, because what have happened? Like, what like, you're going to get, you're going to get a lovely fluffy duvet, and you're going to get a holy rag. Yeah, you're right, yeah, they probably could have. Also, why don't they use the shuttles? I know the answer yeah. is because we've not built the shuttles yet. But they, what they would have done if they'd have thought of that is they'd have probably said there's a storm in the atmosphere that's causing yeah. the transporter problem. That's why we can't take a shuttle. Um, oh, there's always a reason. I remember, yeah. like, I always sort of fan-fictioned it in my head that for some reason the Enterprise didn't have shuttles. And well, uh, after was... this episode, Spock requisitioned them. So he was like, "We need shuttles, so nothing like that happens again." Like, oh, I like that. That's nice. I like, I, I like the idea. Of... I have a go at them for not doing things like this, but this is the fifth episode. Exactly. And at this point, all we've seen is transporters. Yeah, exactly. We yeah. I, I think they should have run in the evil coffee though you just get like when the second cafetier gets beamed down after the first one you get the music from our time and it just zooming in on this cafetier be like what is it the triplicator in red dwarf where they've got the strawberries and one of them's brilliant and the other one's got maggots when in you it say music, yeah. there's a uh, 
YouTube channel I follow, he's building the uh, Doomsday Machine at the moment. So he showed oh. the clip with the music playing. And then he goes, I hadn't realised before, but I know, now know where John Williams got his idea for Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, we find out that the evil dogs come up. And at the same time, we get Evil Kirk bursting into a sick bay and saying, I want a brandy! Brandy! <laughs> which it just you so happens Bones has got in a cupboard in sick bay, which I think is a great detail. Hey, that's canonical. When uh, they see the first doctor in the cage, he's yeah. got a little alcohol section in there. So I, I think it's. And he goes to make some martinis in his quarters. Yeah. I'd say also, like, the thing which is most telling is when they go in for the brandy, you see on the shelf above, there's what looks suspiciously like Odo's bucket. Mm, there you go. Which well, fact, they, it, it looks like it's the same prop, just painted a different colour. You know why that is? It'll be because Dax has stolen it again, and we know that Dr. McCoy had a bit of a thing with one of the Daxes. So maybe, maybe the Dax symbiont has got a weird klepto thing for things that look like buckets. I don't know. Or, or, like, Dax has gone, like, really far on this prank and sent it back in time to her former self to yeah, hide there. To hide it on the original <laughs> Enterprise. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I'll never find it here. <laughs> That's a comic book that we need um, We need exploring, I think, there. Well, we have had transport trip accidents, I'm sure, that have gone through time. Oh, you have, yeah. So, past tense, parts one and two. First yeah. one that comes to mind, I'm sure, has been more... And I, also, I also love how long it takes them, and they don't put up a shipwide communication no. after they figure out this evil Kirk going. By the way, um, if Kirk's around there, don't trust it's him. Like you know, just well, <laughs> there's, there's an evil person going around. You might want to be careful. No, they just let get Nurse Rand get be, uh, be abused. There's this instead. sort of undercurrent to it, isn't there? That it's like we can show the captain to be this fallible. Well, uh, yeah, I'm not sure that justifies it, but that that's the he, the internal well, justification. Well, writing is that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like, you've got to remember, this is a 60s show. This is going back, to, what would this be, 66 this came out? So this is right in the middle of the 60s, and it's still that very male-orientated military. Yeah. yeah. And chauvinistic with writing. And though Star Trek brought in female characters and that, but they were only able to get so far with what the studios mm-hmm. had let yeah. them do. You still and you still have the writers who are writing that way. Yeah, that's it. Well, I think it, we would accept now if you know if this were Captain Picard and he said there's an intruder who looks like me and he's doing this. Um, fair enough, and we know that the crew would accept it, but there was more, like you say, of a strict sort of hierarchy that yeah. was generally accepted it, in them days. And it's also that. fair to say, like, I mean, um, it's a good point because, because you know, even though Roddenberry was ahead of his time, you know, he's he's still a product of his time. Who know, knows yeah. where his exact blind spots were? You know, there's probably loads of, well, there's probably loads of. Um, sexism today that we do which we don't even think about like in the future oh, yeah absolutely um so yeah. let's talk about the the scene with ram then because this is and I'm, I'm sure it's meant to be but it is very very uncomfortable well um, yeah this like as we find out that it's in an evil kirk it's sort of like 
the part of Kirk that's very forward and his mm. aggressive side and all that, but it is still a part of Kirk's personality. Yeah, I think it's, it's fair to say this part of his personality, unchecked on its own, is evil. Like once you incorporate oh, it with the rest of him, and it gets tempered with other things. But I think those those qualities oh, on their own. This same uh, raises an interesting thing that he went to Rams quarters, and the things he says that this sort of reveals that Kirk deep down does find her attractive. Um, oh yeah, is she's like, a woman? Of course Kirk's, he like, does. A, a womanizer. But he does tend to stay clear of womanising with his crew. Yeah, he does. And th I think that's ultimately why they ran out, wasn't it? Because they were like, well, there is clearly a, a chemistry between the characters and we can't have the captain having an affair with yeah. it, so well, we well, just don't know what to do with her. Thing where, that's another American military thing where you can't, um, sort of be fraternising with a subordinate of, with a lower officer yeah and to be fair that's something SG1 that's still carried on with Jack yeah. O'Neill and uh, Amanda Carter that there's the chemistry between them but they can't let anything happen because there's a superior officer yeah they've both, and... they've both been driven out of the force and it is carried through, like, to Voyager, where, you know, that's why Janeway ends up making people on the holodeck because she can't have this yeah. relationship. So that is something that's been maintained. Apart from when she lands, gets stuck on a planet of monkeys. Well, yes, yes. Or the monkey, we're not sure which. No, we're not we're sure. We're giving the benefit of the doubt, just. And mm. I, I'm just going to say, I quite like the episode. I like the, the, the fact that they kind of get to explore. Yeah, we just like whipping on Chakotay. Yeah, nah. <laughs> Chakotay heavy episodes, not... Um, <laughs> that's just given like me... That one. That's one that I might have to talk about when we do the When Trek Goes Wrong show. Oh, okay. I'm going to be on the defence on that one. <laughs> right, we'll like, see. I've got ideas of that and not just doing episodes. I think it's more looking at traits that it does sometimes. Oh, yeah. Well, we, yeah, we'll... Because we'll... I don't think there's enough time to look at episodes. No, not in do... any depth, but... Oh, no, I, I think, like, it's a 20-minute kind of, like, short hop through the episode or even yeah. 10 or whatever, and then we have time for desirable mentions, any, quick, like, things... From yeah, I've got audience. a bit... I may have a bit of a surprise for that. We'll have a brainstorming session um, when we're not yeah. live. I may but... have a bit of a surprise for that. Excellent. Actually, on the thing, which will totally derail any plans you have. Yeah. <laughs> so, good captain. I blame Sam Stone completely. <laughs> good Kirk captain Kirk does us all a favour at this point and starts wearing the green tunic so that we can easily distinguish. The, yeah, the Shatner wrap. I, I God, I just I love the fact that it's uh, any like any of these kind of things which. I mean, I think this was one of the first times you had an evil twin kind of mm. uh, scenario, which wasn't an actual evil twin. But loads of sh shows have done it since, and there's always an excuse for them to wear another top yeah. for no apparent other reason. Like, if you watch Jet Li's The One, there's a bit where they do a fight scene, they're both wearing the exact same overalls and T-shirt combo, and then one of them, for no reason, just before the fight, takes it down, ties it around his waist so he looks mm. different. There was no reason for him to do it whatsoever. <laughs> it's just yeah. blatantly there for... And this so is that makes sense. <laughs> um, to be fair. Yeah, but why doesn't the other one do it then? 
<laughs> that's a good ah oh, you see it's just blagging me out he was comfortable in what he was wearing mm. he, he was more mature yeah it's it's what you, you because they're from different universe he just ordered it one size up so he had more fighting yeah. you got it okay we, we've there we go so then there's a conversation between good kirk and yeoman rand and this was really interesting i thought particularly viewed from our lens you know however many years in the future because she starts talking about well you're the captain and i couldn't really say no and all and it brings to mind all the me too stuff and all these people mm. who use positions of power and it's like yeah you know is this gene roddenberry commenting on that through Star Trek. I mean, we know he used it to deal with issues, but this is an issue that has largely gone unacknowledged until very recently. And it does yeah. just make you wonder, like, is he commenting on these power relationships yeah. in studios and stuff here? I don't mean to jump too much to the end, but, but there is a bit which um, Spock says later, which was really weird, because he, he's talking to Nurse Rand, and, oh, sorry, Yeoman Rand, and he goes... Um, Oh yeah, um, evil Kurt. I know he didn't call him that because no. the, the alternative uh, captain did have some interesting points though, and it's like he's talking to her, who's basically been violated by this. Yeah, guy. I. It was yeah. really weird. Did, I have that. Do you guys see any reason for that line? I don't get that line. At I all. don't. I made a note of it, and yeah, it, I I just thought like, what is Spock playing at here? Like, it, is that meant to be funny? Is it meant to? Like, if it is meant to be funny, it doesn't work. Um, Even for the time I didn't get it. Because, yeah, it's, it, the only way I, I feel you can read it is he's almost saying to her, yeah, I can tell that you fancied a bit of evil Kirk. And it's like, even if that were true, and even if a character thought that, Spock would never say that to someone. No. Yeah, it, 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 I, I've never noticed that bit before, and I, again, I just felt so uncomfortable. Yeah, just, it's yes. awful. Um, it, it, you know, even like like the whole way it, it, it a concession to the studio, it just doesn't seem any reason to put that No. In. The whole way that Yeoman Ramsey's dealt with in this, because she's violated by this yeah. guy. I know he doesn't ra actually rape her, but he attacks her, yeah. etc. And he's done as much as he could get away with on TV, in the 60s, he's got yeah. a you could get away with on TV in the 60s. And nothing's really done about it for her. No. You see, this the thing, them not doing anything about it wasn't cool at all, I'm not trying to excuse it, but it just seems like an inaction. <coughs> to actively yeah. say something so vile seeming, quite frankly. Yeah, for just... Spock to mock her for it, it... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what they were trying to get out of that. Um, and oh. apart from it being out of character for Spock, it'd be bad from whoever delivered it, I suppose. Yeah, like, I wonder if this is another product of it being something of the 60s. Maybe. That, oh, you were asking Maybe. for it because you, you're always sort of, like, flirting with the captain I mean, that's... when you come on the bridge. That is almost the implication. Part, you're partly to blame for what happened to yeah, you. Yeah, that... But, but yeah, they can't just. But that's how it comes. That's how it comes across, and I can imagine that because you did used to get a lot of that. 
that used to be a common sort of perception through the 70s and 80s. Yeah, well, even today, you know, sadly. Even yeah. today, that, oh, you flirted. Oh, well, it's your own fault. Mm. <laughs> you deserved it. You were egging them on. You were, you got more than you bargained for when you egged them on. It's yeah. your own fault for egging them on. Yeah. Uh, just, just, it, it didn't be on the pile. It just, it, again, it, it, it was the weirdest thing. It, but this is... No, exactly. No, no, basically it, it, what they're doing here. I, I... I don't know. It just, but again, I, I can't right. see who's asking for it. Like I can't imagine the, the studio is asking for it for that to be in there. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, we can maybe chalk it up to not being in character for Spock. It's still early days. It was only the fourth episode produced, but that line shouldn't have been in the episode at all. It serves no purpose. Yeah. So because Spock was so Spock-like earlier, and like you know the 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 bit which sequentially we're getting on to next is like where he was saying it's like uh ah isn't it interesting how like you know we you with all your kind of goodness you you can't make these decisions because like this side of you helps you be more kind of decisive more. yeah and it also yeah that kind of does read as if it's kind of like the masculine attitudes of the day of being like because man has to be strong yeah. man has to be able to punch things to be able to make a decision so it's it's not exactly kind of like bulletproof to today's standards, but it kind of, it's Spock engaged in that logical kind of thing. And this is where, I know we, we've mentioned the the histrionics of Evil Kirk, but this is where William Shatner, the actor, shows what he's capable of, because Indecisive Kirk is a really good sort of nuanced performance, and you know, how he distinguishes between the three different Kirks that he's presenting here. I mean, obviously, Evil Kirk is as over the top as you possibly could be. But <laughs> yeah, if we... Just gone there. Bill, just go have yeah. fun. But, yeah. But if we leave <laughs> Evil Kirk to one side for a minute, the, the way you can easily tell the difference between indecisive Kirk and normal Kirk, like, uh, I know I'm jumping around, but when... Right at the end, when he finally beams back in, he's just like, get them men beamed up now. And you're like, ah, Kirk's back. This is this yeah. is the proper Captain Kirk. I do think two, two out of the three performances he gives in this episode, I think are legitimately great performances. And then Evil Kirk is great for different reasons, but... Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I, I, I certainly agree with the nuanced performance as well. By the way, it does remind me, there was a uh, audio book which sprang to my mind while watching this. There's one where they've got, uh, I think it's Dark Mirror. It's like when mm. um, Next Generation on uh, in book and audio form does the uh, Mirror Universe. Yeah. And when he's trying to make his decision like about what to do, uh, Picard goes to the holodeck and uh, engages a program of this happening. So like it's yeah. uh, indecisive deciding about what he's going to do. And he kind of used that for advice. It's really cool. Yeah, that is cool. This is a shout-out. And, yeah, the this is the bit where we do get the ultimate sort of meltdown from Evil Kirk, where he's, I'm Captain Kirk! And that, that's one of Shatner's greatest moments. Yeah, it, it's also very nice, like, uh, very Star Trek for having the uh, the indecisive Kirk going, like, no, come on, I need you, and the other one going, no, I'm yeah. Evil Kirk. Yeah, yeah, the confrontation between the two of them. Like, I, I must, I must admit, I thought that happened later in the episode, but there's actually quite a bit after you get this confrontation. Yeah. And you know, 
the back of the head of the stuntman does not look like the back of William Shatner's head. But beyond that, the split screen stuff is pretty good. a second wig and it would have looked better. Like, his hairline's all wrong. Well, exactly, yeah. I mean, Star Trek, the original, was never good with stuntmen. Like, you, to be there's fair, so many times fair, when... This wasn't just... This carried on in American TV right into the 80s, if not the 90s. This was a common thing. Oh, yeah. Where the stuntman would not look like who yeah. they were meant to be. I mean, with, with the night stuff, you can sort of... I think with the original series, even on, like, the... Um, oldest of TVs, you could still tell when uh, Spock's, especially his hair would go curly and he'd have, mm. suddenly have a beard when he's not in the Mirror Universe, by the way, before anyone says that. But like uh, in the, uh, when you get to the 90s ones, I think it was because at the time you couldn't freeze frame it like we can now. Yes. So they kind of probably thought, oh no, well no, it's like I, I sent you guys a screenshot of there was a Klingon one and Martok kind of goes back into some other Klingons and his just face is different. It's just a different guy. It yeah. looks nothing like him. But back then, probably, like, the TV standards and, like, the briefness of the frame mm. probably wouldn't turn up. Well, that's it. But, yeah. On like, digital, you, okay, you, you couldn't freeze frame like we can now. No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah, in the digital age, that, that did not stand up very no. well. Um, no. And then, would you believe it, Evil Kirk shoots and he hits the thing and it only happens to be the transporter console, which makes it all even wet. Like, what a bit of bad luck of all the things. <laughs> and it's going to take Scotty a week to fix it. Which means, which means what, <laughs> two and a half days? Oh, this is ours. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it's going to take a week to fix, but we need it now, Scotty. All right, then. It's done. <laughs> and then one of my favourite Star Trek cliches using phasers to heat up rocks. This is where it's originated by Sulu. So, Classic. well done, it, Sulu. It makes sense to use a phaser like that. It did, it did. But they do it a lot. And then, don't they do it in, I think they do it in Next Generation in yeah. the episode. And you've oh, got, like, it's only no Next Generation. It's done in Voyager, it's done in DS9. Well, it's like I've said before, and uh, I would credit this to the comedian who said it if I could remember which comedian it was, but the phases have four settings. They have stun, kill, heat up rocks, and cut through things, and that's it. Eddie Izzard, he talks about all the many other settings. Right. Um, Yes. listen to this. (laughs) So, Evil Kirk is dying, and... Good Kirk confronts him and everything, and then we do get like a sick bay scene where we have a, a discussion about how you need both sides for your power and um, your, yeah. to overcome fear, you need the rationality, and I mean, it's all great stuff. It's very, very Star Trek, you know. This is fundamentally what Star Trek does, and I love all of it. They fix the transporter, and this might be the first he's dead, Jim. When the little dogs died. Yeah. Oh, and, and it's exactly on because so many times, although he's quite saying that, there's usually it's a variation on the thing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this is a dead on, it's he's dead, Jim. And it's about a dog, <laughs> which is just wonderful. And then what are, what are the most comedic bits with Indecisive Kirk is when you've got um, Spock saying, right, well, you know, obviously you need to do this. And it, oh, you're right, Mr. Spock. And then Bones said, but wait a minute, Jim, what about, oh, no, Bones is right as well. And it does yeah. get to quite comic extremes in this. They say, oh, that's a good part. Oh, actually, 
Well, by the way, so, uh, so, would I really need to address the fact that I just said it's wonderful it's a dog that dies? I don't mean that it's wonderful that no. a dog dies. I meant that they used the first it's dead gym potentially on, yeah. on a dog. I, I found wonderful. Yes. All right? Okay, we're all right. Okay, she's allowed us. And then Evil Kirk manages one final blag to get away from it all. He's like, oh, you need to help me. I don't feel well. And then you get the standoff on the bridge. So Kirk's tried all episode to keep this under wraps, but they end up having this this standoff on the bridge. So everybody knows. Um, but they fix him eventually. So, and like yeah, I said... Yeah, nice heart to heart. Yeah. And I do love the bit where it's like, he's back, the real Captain Kirk, beam them men down. It, you know, Shatner can be good. And here he is. Uh, Shatner is good. Yeah, that's what I said. Shatner can be good. And we never get um, you know, Sulu with his coffee, though. I, I, I need a closure there. I'm just saying. Well, Sulu gets his revenge. That's why he, he ended up buying that ranch off of him. So he's like, I'll get him for not bringing me the coffee. Also, that's why in like when you see him in uh, the episode of um, oh god of uh, Voyager, and also in the film, he has his tea brought to him. He's like, I'm not making that mistake again. Yeah, no, that's it exactly. Switch to tea. Maybe that's it. Maybe he don't want coffee now. It's put him off that. Maybe they did beam him an evil coffee, and that's why he switches to tea. So he's like, oh, you won't believe what they beamed down to me back in there. Well, in, in a deleted scene, Evil Kirk pisses in the coffee supply oh, ready for when he gets back. Evil in Kirk, taking it too far. No, 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 no. But no, I, I mean, yeah, we've addressed a few issues with it, but I do think this is an absolute classic episode. Oh, definitely. Episode we look back on of the original series, we are going to see something that's politically... Of course. ...sexually, racially yeah. incorrect. Yeah. Because it's a product of its time. But you've also got to remember, at its time, it was ahead of what everything else was doing for being politically... Uh, absolutely. I, I'm with you, but at the same time, I do think this one is one of those ones where it's... Go it's like... Um, co um, Code of Honor in Next Generation. There's no, we don't going. have any moment where Evil Kirk goes, woman! <laughs> no. Wait for me, woman! No, that's about race. This is about sexism and, like, that line from... Uh, I know I'm not saying the whole episode. I'm just saying... No, that... Like, that line from Scott is we, particularly hard to forgive. That leaves a very her. bad taste at the end of the episode, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and um, so, I mean, the rest of it, the, the whole thing about... Um, you know, the woman being put in a subservient position where she is meant to just take it, essentially. That is a product of its time. That I could sort of, like, understand that you just mm. write it better now. Whereas that I, end bit just... Oh. I think you can see with the end bit that I think that they were trying to be funny or something, mm. but you can see no one starts laughing with it. I, I, I just didn't get the last line of the oh, episode. Oh, yeah, when they did. Everyone would start laughing with it. I mean, oh, that I, would have been again. monumentously <laughs> tone deaf if Spock yeah, could have said yeah. that and ever... <laughs> yeah, like, but this is what I mean. It's like, look, we, we can excuse so much from the time. I think that was just really... No, funny. no, but Even that, by the well, time, by Roddenberry's standards, he usually would not have a line like that in there. No, so... And, and maybe because he is so much better, that's why we like the show, and that's why... I'd, 
really dislike that bit. Yes, but, I yeah, agree, I and I've never noticed it before, but probably because, you know, when we're watching episodes to to talk about them on this show, believe it or not, listeners, we do, we do actually pay attention and think about things to say, <laughs> though it may well, not always come across that way. Classic episode, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's really the whole plot and the whole idea of it. You could do that episode today, and and it will work. You just kind of tweak some stuff. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine Anson Mount? I'm Captain, Captain Pike. I'm not sure if um, like the splitting to, in half to two people had been done before. But I'm quite sure that if it had been done before and how it's often done since is you get the normal one and then you get an evil copy. You don't get a good, sort of like a good weak one and an evil yeah, strong Yeah, true, one as yeah. Two, yeah. As the two halves. To do, so, like, essentially, you've got three Kirks this episode. Yeah, absolutely. You see a bad version of it in Voyager when Balana Torres gets uh, split in two, but, yeah, really a weak imitation. Yeah, a and good imitation of it though is the Buffy episode where Xander gets split in two. And um, to say Star Trek three and Star Trek three, yeah, and sorry, that, not Star Trek three, no. yeah, Superman three. Superman, oh, the fight in Superman three. See, yeah. people hate <laughs> Superman, Superman three, but Superman that Superman three is brilliant. That that fight between Clark Kent and evil Superman is just fantastic, and Richard Pryor's good in that as well. So, there's a lot wrong with I thought you were referring to the bit where the kind of uh, the red man and the green man from the traffic lights. That's good like, as well. One goes jumps into the other. I thought that was there's the big a, epic. There's a lot head. wrong with Superman 3, but that fight is absolutely amazing. Yeah, spot on is that. Now, Superman 4, different story. Anyway. Um, so, anyway, next week then, we will be back to talk about the penultimate episode of the season of Lower Decks and wherever that leads us. In the meantime, you can get in touch with us on Facebook. Just look us up. We're on Twitter at RetrekPod. You can email us RetrekPod at gmail.com. Dr. Squee, you've got the Dr. Squee show going on. Just, just giving us all the buttons. Um, yes, that is this th- uh, this Thursday. It's Tuesday, that should say. Uh, <laughs> uh, this Tuesday from uh, 6 to 8 on SW20, we've got a Halloween special. Because we come out on Tuesday and Halloween's on a Monday this year, we kind of like are going to be leading charge on Halloween. We're going to be mm-hmm. playing some Halloween classics. And I'm going to be playing uh, from Squeefest. We did a live link up at midnight uh, to a ghost investigation. Oh, in yes. So, uh, really good fun, and I think uh, worth listening. And and just just to throw this in there, in a wonderful bit of programming, the show I had after that was a guy who is billed as the science comedian, uh, Brian Mello. Really lovely guy, but he did go, oh, what was that before before me? I go, uh, well, quite opposite to the science set end of things. <laughs> anyway, that's Tuesday on the S- uh, the Doctor Squee show. And if you happen to be going to the Sci-Fi Weekender, we will be on stage on the Saturday, half past three in the spaceport, and we will be talking about when Trek goes wrong. But which isn't us having a go at Trek. It's a tongue-in-cheek looking at some of the sillier oh, things. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll be hosting uh, quite a few of the other panels. So, so come and yeah. see me. Talk come to and you. say hello. Yeah. So come have a drink. Come and buy us a drink. 
Yeah, come buy us a drink while we're on stage. We might even have a t-shirt. One of you wants to buy us one. Even better. Anyway, thanks for tricking with us this time. We'll see you next time on the retrack. LLAP. Thank you. Bye-bye.